You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Hello, everyone's fans, and welcome back for episode 89 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Um, we do not have a partnership anymore. We lost it with Grandstand Sports Network. Sad to see them go uh, and hope the best for um, those guys that were running it. Uh, but we have uh, Court with us. Hello, Court. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Good, good, excellent. We have a, a very special guest coming up soon. Uh, her name is Rhonda McClure, and she writes for thepinkpuck.com. Wicked pumped to have her aboard. She's a very nice person and and somebody that we've met personally, and uh, glad to have her back because of my um, my uh, my mishap on the uh, the eleventh. So um, let's just get I right. That's alcohol. Yes, yes, oh, it was alcohol. very self induced. Uh, let's just get started with the uh, last game's um, recaps on Sunday, March twenty fifth, at the XL Energy Center. Uh, the Boston Bruins beat the Minnesota Wild 2-1 to in overtime. Boston goals, uh, second period goal by David Pasternak, his 30th by from Berge and Marshan. And the overtime winner from Brad Marshan, his 33rd of the year from Krug and Bergeron. Rast stopped 24 of 25 for the win. Uh, three stars of the game was, uh, number one was Rask, number two, Staylock, and number three was uh, Koi Vu. Um... On Tuesday, March 27th, at the Bell MTS Place in Winnipeg, Manitoba, uh, Winnipeg comes out with a 5-4 shootout win over the Bruins. Boston goals, uh, first period, Ryan Donato scores his third unassisted. Uh, The third period, Danton Heinen scores his 14th unassisted. And third period, David Pasternak scores his 31st from Krug and Marchand. And another third period goal from... Tory Krug, his 14th from Marshan. So that game was, was it was a good game. Um, but it, it, just, it just tells you how deep in depth this, this team is and the will to win um, and the fight back. So uh, Anton Hudobin stopped 28 of 32 shots for the loss. Marshan earned the third star with two assists. On... Thursday, March 29th at TD Garden, Boston beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in a statement game, 4-2. Boston goals, uh, first period from Tim Schaller, his 12th, assisted by Wingles. And another first period goal from David Pasternak, his 32nd, from Krug and Berge. And the third period, Patrice Bergeron gets on the board uh, as he returns to the, uh, after I think it was 13-game absence. Uh, scores his 28th from Krug and Marchand, and the third period, uh, Brad Marchand scores his 34th from Bergeron and Pasternak. Tuka Rast up 26-28 for the W, and uh, lots of three stars in this game. Rast, Bergeron, and Pasternak, one through three. And on Saturday, March 31st, which is technically last night, the Boston Bruins beat the Florida Panthers 5-1. to one. Uh Two first period goals, uh, one from Nick Holden, his fourth of the season, but first as a Bruin from Krejci and DeBrusque. And first period, uh, Jake DeBrusque 
Uh, scores his 15th from Donato and Krejci as he returns from injury, which is good to see. And he, he was a real impact player in this game. Jump into the second period. Uh, Ryan Donato scores his fourth from Krejci. And another second period goal. Uh, from This one from Patrice Bergeron, his 29th from Bacchus and Pasternak. And to uh, finish the night scoring for the Bruins, uh, Jake DeBrusk gets his second of the game and 16th of the season from Miller and Grizzlick. Tuka Rask stops 30 or 31 for the W. And uh, more Bruins to uh, the three sides of the game. Jake DeBrusk gets the first, Krejci gets the second, and Rask gets the third. And that's yeah, it. You, know, you notice the trend in those games? Yep. Um, who's playing phenomenal right now is Tuka Rask. Yeah. And, and and you have uh, some uh, stats on him that you uh... yeah courtesy of our uh, friend of the show uh, Mr. Uh, Brandon Sherco and he uh, he put it out on Twitter there um, and that's where I got those stats from um, so Rask right now where did I post it sorry just uh, sorry it was from Bruin stats the first one so Rask started the year at three eight and two and since then he's thirty one three and three. That's, those are sick numbers, man. That's somebody hey. that definitely turned it around after seeing his starting job basically going to a backup goaltender in Anton Hudobin and, and, and took that in pride and, and worked hard to get back. Yeah, it's he's just, he's, he's you know, people were saying, oh, he's just playing good now. And then I couldn't believe when I saw it. I'm like, he actually has been playing phenomenal. Yes. He's just been playing so good lately. Absolutely and agree. It's, it's a good time to have it. So here's here's the stat from uh, Mr. Brandon Sherco and um, Tukaras still out six goals in his last four games. He's got 120 saves on 126 shots with a 1.5 goals against average and a 9.52 save percentage in that stretch. Yeah, that's nasty. But and, you know, but he's you know, like, I don't want to like beat a dead horse about the all these people, but like they're still, you still have people online saying, well, he's finally living up to his contract or that he's, he's, he's he still hasn't won big games and, and so on and so forth. And, and, you know, in the last little bit, the goalie that's been struggling is Hudobin. Yeah. Like yeah. he's got, he, he makes some brilliant saves. He's, he's played the the one game where they, um, where, where we lost, was it Winnipeg where he, he was playing? Yep. Yeah. Like shootout he, loss. He played decent that game, but he did, his style sometimes can get the best of him. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and the, the overtime goal he gave up in in um, against uh, Winnipeg was a little further out than I, you know, would have liked him to give that up. It, it was just he was off balance. It, you know, things it, the game's fast. I get that, but there's goaltenders that are really good at shots like that, and there's goaltenders like him that played that unorthodox style that just don't seem to be prepared for shots like that. So No, it's, it seems to be, to be totally honest with you, I, I, for what I'm seeing, it just seems to be shots outside. Yeah. Anything above the, behind the hash marks. If anybody gets above where the hash marks are in the crease, Dobie's stopping them. Like right. He's stone cold. He's making those crazy saves jumping across. He's keeping the team in games. You know, the Winnipeg game, Winnipeg is is probably one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, oh yeah, um, definitely. You know, uh, it's, it's just, it's weird. Yeah. It's it's like we can't have both, well, we, we did have both of them going, I guess, in December and January, but it it is what it is. If Joby's starting to play not so good right now, it's not that big of a deal. He's not going to be playing in the playoffs. Unless, unless, God forbid, you know, we'll talk about it, but injuries, unless... To grass gets hurt because everybody else seems to get hurt. So yeah, right. Um, That's the other crazy set. Did you see that one? Like that was that was posted during the game, uh, one of the games that the Bruins have played one game this year, one game without an injury. Yeah, I saw that. You you shared that with me on the. Uh, it, and the... that's just yeah. Like NBC posted it. That's just the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that is nuts. And and. Uh, kudos to them for getting that stat out because I definitely well, wouldn't have thought of yeah. bringing that out. They have they have twelve games where they played where they were missing six guys, ten games where they were missing four, three games where they're missing twenty seven, and you know who we're missing? We're missing like the McAvoys, the Bergerons, like the for every Bruins. Like wow, this team, yeah. like this team. Like, honestly, I, I don't know. It's just so amazing and so awesome. 
Jumping back on Hudobin real quick, I mean, just looking at his stats and the way he's played, we haven't seen a backup goaltender that has done this since the days of um, Chad Johnson. And and his, I think it was a 17-9 and something record or 19-9. and Could be wrong. Don't kill me on this on the stats. I don't have them in front of me right now. But, um, you know, that, that, was, that, was, that was kind of a, a few years ago, you know, and and you go through the the years of the Svedbergs, and you went through the Hudobin, the first tour of duty, you know, and you went through, um, I don't remember who else, but it just seemed like they couldn't gel with somebody until Hudobin came. Not last year, but this year, he seems to be all in, whether it's a contract year or not, and that's why he's playing so well. Remains to be seen. So, I I, I don't think it's a contract. I think he's. I think they complement each other very well. Yeah, oh, they're best friends. They, 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 you know, they've even said it that you know having him back in the locker room was was really good, uh, not only for for Rask and you know as a, as a close person, but a teammate that you know you can rely on. And unfortunately, he didn't have that season last year until Bruce Cassidy came on, and then he's turned it up. So, and then mm-hmm. this year he started off really well when Rask was really terrible i'm not gonna lie and i'm not gonna you know play the rask favorite all the time he was not yeah, good he, he was brutal yeah i mean we can be the biggest apologist we can but when we see games like that we call him out you know so um, yeah like i want to be back like, i mean relative terms and price absolutely because the cap's going up you just signed uh chara so We'll talk about that later, but you know, it just you got to find Roman. You got to find that happy medium where where both sides are going to be happy because you know he's going to want to get paid. He's an, he's an, he's a goaltender in his thirties. He's going to want some kind of insurance, uh, whether it be term or money. I'm thinking he's going to want term. He might stay a little higher than his one point two right now, but he also could say, "I'd like to get at least a two two year deal." But, and and he's and he has the right to ask for that from the way he's played. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, no doubt about it. Because he's he is one of the best backups in the league right now. Oh, uh, if 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 not the if best, not the best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I I, I, just, I hate calling someone the best in the league and such. So I'm just like I'm thinking, you know, he's one of the best backups in the league right now. And and everything this team has done, like the resiliency of this team and. Oh, like he put it, he put the team on his back when Tuka was playing like garbage at the beginning, of, like you were saying. Absolutely. Um, and just to uh, let's let's this is the last show pretty much until we get back together at the end of the season. And it's absolutely crazy to say that because this year has gone by so fast. Um, they play the Philadelphia Flyers today, and that's Sunday, uh, April Fool's Day. Uh, mm-hmm. They play. And that was that's in Philadelphia. They play Tuesday night. Dolby with the start. Yep. They play Tuesday night at Tampa Bay at seven thirty. They play at Florida, the Panthers at seven thirty on Thursday night. Then they come home for two to end the season on Saturday. Uh, they play the Ottawa Senators at seven, and then Sunday they play the Florida Panthers at seven thirty. So yeah, they've only got the two games next during the week, which is. To be honest, amazing. I, I, this this week has been, uh, whew, this month, sorry, it's, it's it's been tough for them. Yeah, I mean, they've been winning, but oof. yeah, and and you know this this particular month, uh, opposed to the, the start of October, um, they, they they've taken more losses in October and this month than any other month uh, during the season. So, but that's what when you play every other night. You know, you play 16 games in 31 days. It's not going to be an easy task, even though you do have that one day of rest in between. Sometimes it's just not enough. But I do like the way that Bruce Cassidy is splitting, seemingly splitting these games between Rask and Hudobin. Like you said earlier, just a minute ago, that that Hudobin's getting the start this afternoon against Philly. I, I think that... Rask will probably be in that game against Tampa Bay. You're most likely going to see Hudobin on Thursday, and then they they'll split the. Um... Well, you no, know, he Cassidy's already said he he made a mention of uh, who he's going to be starting. Did he? I was in shock. Yeah, he it's 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 Tuka Rask. He's going to ride him. 
He's going to ride him. He's, he pretty much said that uh, it's up to Tuca if he doesn't want to play. Wow. So if Tuca's tired, which I, I agree with you, I would think that Tuca plays doesn't play Thursday. I would play, sorry, he would play Thursday. He's going to play against uh, Tampa for 100%. So, yeah, think about it. Was he going to miss the Florida game? Because Doby just had the last start, so he's going to play Tuesday. You're going to play him against Tampa. Right. You're not going to steer. And then maybe maybe Saturday should be a Doby game because it's against Ottawa. Right. Like, who cares? And yeah. give Rast the rest because he's just going to have to have played, you know. It's well, not that he needs the rest because I really want to preface and say I don't think he needs the rest. Right. But I don't know. I mean, the playoffs are coming. It's got to be prepared as much as you can, and, and rest is definitely needed. But, you know, if if if, if a player like Rask can, can say to uh, a coach like Cassidy, hey, I, I want in. I want as much work as I can before the playoffs. You gotta. That just tells me that he is absolutely ready for this, and so is this team behind him, or in front of him. Sorry. Yeah. Well, geez, they they win when they're uh, they're missing some of their best players. I know it's just absolutely crazy. I've not seen a team like this be so resilient in in but, all the games lost to injuries. I'm just like baffled that they they continue to impress and they continue to get it done. So. And 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 just saying just saying that and having that positive feeling about missed games and lost games or whatever makes you really pumped up for this playoffs um, this playoff run. Yeah, they've got Corrali day to day, McAvoy day to day with me, but they're the you know um, Cassie's already pretty much said that I guess McAvoy's probably going to play on Tuesday, maybe Thursday, but he's probably playing next week. Yep. Uh, and then you got Riley Nash who took the puck to the head with the. A million oh, stitches. Yeah, that was awful. So I don't know if he's under – like it says day-to-day. I, I don't know if it's just the stitches. I think they would have um, – I think we would have known by now if he was under concussion protocol, I would think. Uh, and then you have Rick Nash out, but now they're – I guess they pretty much said today that he's going to play before the end of the year, so he's back. So I guess what are you going to do with the second line? you got Bjork who's not coming back. and I, I love people to death with their um, – Thinking Carlo's going to be back, but okay, they make it to the third round, and Carlo's ready to play, and the team's winning. Do you even put him back in the lineup? I don't know. That's that's a tough one. I'd say and pack still it up. Play a bit, right? Yeah, I'd say pack it up to the begin uh, the beginning of the next season. You know, uh, it's a tough one. I feel for the kid. It was the most. It was gross to yeah, watch. The yeah. Oh, it was it was terrible. I I looked at my my wife. We were watching it downstairs with the with the Buster dog and and. I just looked at her and I was like, "Oh my god, that's terrible to watch." But yeah, and the good thing about that, I mean, it's never anything good about an injury, but it's it's that next man up mentality. You know, Charlie McAvoy is on his way back. He's definitely a person that could fit into that that Carlo role. Well, you Nick, also Nick Holden, yeah, Chara's Chara's back. McQuaid. So McQuaid, McQuaid plays yeah. well. He's played fantastic against Ottawa. So if he can play the same way he did in the playoffs. I'm good. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll welcome in uh, Rhonda McClure from the Pinkpark.com, uh, friend of the show. So uh, we will be right back. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a ninety percent rate. Dylan Larkin. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Kevin Shattenkirk. Goal! James Van Riemsdyk were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Hey guys, welcome back. And uh, we're very happy to be um, blessed with uh, a return appearance of a friend of the show, Rhonda McClure. Uh, She's the owner and editor in chief at the pinkpuck.com website. She's also, and I just found this out today, the author author of the book Simply Hockey that can be purchased on Amazon. And she can also be found on Twitter at HockeyMaven1917. Rhonda, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, as always. So, um, let's, let's just talk about the Olympics. Let's get this right off the books because... I, I've seen a lot of stuff on social media that you provided because you were there. You were in uh, South Korea, correct? 
Yes, I was. Yeah, and and uh, what an experience you had. Can you please just touch on the culture, the 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 you know the the experience all in general? In general, it was just an absolutely amazing experience. Uh, it was a tad overwhelming, not going to lie. Uh, it's the first country I've ever been in where I had no idea like anything about the language, so that was a little a little hard to take. But everybody there was just so helpful and friendly. Um, they really had it set up very nicely. How about Ryan Donato? Oh, the kid is amazing. Um, you know, just seeing what he did in in the games. You know, the 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 five goals. Um, he was put on a great line for starters. I mean, you know, Tony Granato knew what he was getting with with him, and you know was smart enough to put him on a great line to where if they could get a puck to him, they did. And, you know, it usually went into the back of the net. Uh, but the kid cares so much. Um, he was absolutely devastated when they lost in the quarterfinals. Court, you got something? I didn't watch a lot of the Olympics, but I was talking to Rhonda while she was there uh, a bunch of times uh, through Facebook and stuff. And my my biggest question to her while she was there was, how's the food? So, because <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I didn't think the hockey was that good. It is what it is, right? Um, it was bad hockey. I'm sorry. This is my opinion of it. It was some bad hockey. It was, when you look at it, you didn't even have, when we were talking about it, remember that list about how many... You didn't even have the top – it wasn't even in the top 500 of the world. Ryan Donato, now when you look at how he's played with the team in the NHL, he's in that top 500, but whew, some bad players playing. Well, you know, I mean, I think they could have gone with some more of the college kids for sure. Mm-hmm. Both um, on Canada and the U.S., yeah. You know, um, the the original theory was four to seven, and they took four. I think they should have gone with more. Those kids are just – they're so hungry. Um, and I think I think they didn't because they were like, oh, they haven't had the pro experience. But I think they could have brought a stronger game. Yes. Um, and maybe more exciting. Oh, um, yeah. Just, just some of the, I don't know. I look at, I, I paid more attention to Canada's roster, obviously. Uh, I, I understand uh, a lot of everybody else is in the U.S. But I looked at Canada's roster and I'm like, geez. We got guys in the junior that are better than some of these guys out on the ice. I know we're going for experience, but yeah, felt like, like felt like they were mailing it in a little bit. I don't. Well, now see, I think that sometimes the NHLers mail it in. Yeah. Oh well, you know, nagging up. You know, and so I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm torn because I really like you know I'm. I'm young enough. I'm old enough to remember the eighty, the 1980 team, and that hunger and that you know. I'm you know. I completely buy into to her Brooks, um, and you know. Now that we have dream teams, we seldom get the dream. But I felt like if everybody were truly on the same level, and let's face it, the Russians weren't. Yeah, correct. They were just way better than everybody. Well, I mean, when you when you purposely take from two specific teams so that everybody knows how to play with each other. Yeah, and you purposely take guys that are future Hall of Famers in the NHL. Exactly. I mean, you know, you've already stacked you've already stacked the, you know, the deck. Uh, if everybody played fair, which of course they don't. Yeah, they're uh, very unfair. Uh, what was that? <laughs> they're very unfair. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they have been for years. Um, <laughs> let's face it. But I feel like the one thing I did love about this was nobody knew the the like the outcome to a degree. I mean, beyond Russia, but like the other teams, nobody knew the outcome. And so for me, that was fun. Yeah, fair enough. I just thought it was it was hilarious that you know they got caught cheating, all this kind of stuff. They technically shouldn't have been there in the first place, Uh-oh. and they they still get to go. Right? I don't know. I I still think. How, how do you come across on the whole? You know, Russia as itself had to wear Olympic jerseys. Eh, you know, the, that whole thing. Well, what upset me more about that was them singing the anthem at the end because they weren't supposed to do that. Yeah. You know, that should have, they should have been penalized for that. They, it, you know, it had been discussed earlier at a press conference. Uh, you know, what are you going to do about the fans who bring the Russian flag? And, 
you know, it was stated that there's nothing we can do about the fans and that's fine. But the players know the rules. The players know what the deal is. And yeah, so. So where would you come across on or not come across, but where would you stand on on the whole issue of Russia even being allowed to be in the Olympics when it's not like it's not like a couple of them got caught cheating. It was a ton of them got caught cheating. Um, you know, that's a tough one because I feel bad for for the play for any player who plays the game straight mm-hmm. who doesn't cheat and to have been, you know, working really hard towards that and then to be out just because your country and your players in a completely different you know, in in a four years ago kind of situation, cheated. Yeah, fair enough. You know, so I can I I can see where it's not fair to those athletes who don't cheat. Uh, but they clearly didn't get the message because you know they had at least two who tested positive. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it just it's just it's mind boggling to me. It's it's almost like the whole Marshan thing. Like we all love him, we love him on our team, but he just does things sometimes. You're just like seriously. Yeah. You know, and so that was that was, like I said, the thing that upset me most was them singing the the anthem because no no other Russian, you know, player did anything like that. They chose to do that, and it was clear that they had decided they were going to do that ahead of time, and that was you know that should have been dealt with. Now you're. Say you don't go to the Olympics, because I, I kid you not, I didn't even watch the gold medal game. Yeah. And say you're not there. Do you watch the gold medal game? Do you even care? Ooh. I'm a hockey addict, so... Same. Um, I mean, I watched it, but I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, like because I wasn't physically at that one uh, <laughs> because of the way they do things. Um, the, the medal games for the men's hockey are what they call high-interest tickets. And since, you know, nobody from my my country was in it, I didn't even attempt it. But I did watch it. Uh, but I watched it not for Russia. I watched it for Germany. Okay. And who were you wanting to watch on Germany? I, just the fact that Germany did that, that they were able to get to the gold medal game. Oh, yeah, um, it was unbelievable. You know, uh, but let's face it, you know, Marco Sturm was there. Yeah, kudos um, to him. You know, Seidenberg's brother was there. So, you know, there's a few people who were there that we, you know, like that the Bruins fans could recognize. Yeah. And um, do you think Stern might get a job out of this? Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. He did a great job. He really, really did. Um, and, you know, to be able to take the Germans that far was astounding. Yeah. Uh, Rhonda, going back to Ryan Donato. Um, mm-hmm. Did you notice, uh, I know all the, Amer- the Americans, they're a group, and they, they stay tight when they're in another country like like uh, South Korea. Um, but did you notice at all that possibly, like, Brian Gianta and, and Donato were close together, even though that they were line mates? And, and uh, to add on to that question, was that, like, a catalyst to bring Donato in along with uh, a player like Gianta and a veteran. Um, I believe that Donato, because he's just a smart kid and he seeks out hockey IQ, um, that he made a point of getting to know, you know, Gianta. I mean, they like any team, they they gelled quickly, but the line mates, especially for that line, were you know were amazing and they were very tight both on and off the ice i don't think that you know don sweeney was back here saying oh you know those two guys are kind of tight we should bring them in um i think that gianta probably offered up something that sweeney thought was valuable um and then it just worked out great that when they signed ryan that they already had that connection but if you notice, I mean, he spent, what, all of, like, three seconds on a line with Gianta? Oh, really? I mean, as far as as here in Boston. Oh, oh, oh okay. All right. I'm sorry. Bye. Yeah. I mean, there he was – that was the line, and they, they did, you know, like I said, they did some good stuff 
as a line there. Um, I just, you know, I look at it more from a standpoint of uh, Granado, who couldn't say enough nice things about Donato. And she's saying three times fast. Um, It's, uh, you know, he pointed out that Donato gets it, that Donato understands what it means to be a professional. And it was really clear watching him play. And like I said, when they lost, uh, somebody, you know, during the the media scrum said, well, you know, but you got five goals. Uh, You got more than your dad, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you know, in the end, nobody know, nobody cares about that. It's just who got the gold medal. Right. And he said, you know, he was really like gut-wrenchingly honest with us when he said, I would give up, give up every goal I got last year to have won this game. Uh, that's how much he cared. Uh, and I think that's the kind of, of um, buy-in that you want on any team. So... For him to have that kind of passion in addition to having the understanding about what it means to be a pro, I wasn't really surprised when they signed him when Harvard, you know, lost in the playoffs. Right, uh, right. You know. Um, but I also know that, you know, schooling is very important to him, so I also wasn't surprised when that was part of the deal. So, You spoke about Tony Granado, and, and uh, he's a fantastic coach at the University of uh, Wisconsin. And he also had uh, the pleasure of having two prospects uh, in Cameron Hughes uh, for four, uh, I think, three seasons, mm-hmm. and uh, and Trent Frederick for the last two seasons. And he and and he spoke very highly of those guys too. So uh, just the way Granado coaches and 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 sets the tone behind the bench is is you know it's good on him. And it's also a good thing for uh, a player like Donato to get is another as a voice at an Olympic level and, and move on to your professional year. And I think it's done really good. So, I mean, there's a lot of people, I mean, especially his father, I mean, long time Bruin, uh, grew up in the area. So it just made sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, he's your prospect. You've been watching him for a few years. You'd be a fool not to sign him. Right. <laughs> I mean, when he's, you know, after his, his, uh, school is out, um, yeah, that, that would have been the big mistake. Uh, segue in right into, uh, signing, uh, Zdeno Chara signed a one year extension, uh, worth $5 million. I, I, I did, I gotta be honest with you and I'm not going to lie. I was not happy about the thought of bringing him back at the beginning of the season. Cause he was an aging veteran and I understand his role, uh, as, um, an inspirational leader. Um, but after seeing him progress over the year and what he's done with the Charlie McAvoy and even Brandon Carlo last season, I was kind of on board with this now. And I'm very happy that it was done in a one year term. Uh, your thoughts. Oh, I was actually thrilled that they brought him back. Um, he is what he brings to the team both on and off the ice is huge. It's sometimes hard, I think, to get a read on him when you're interviewing him. And I don't know if it's it's just he's got like, you know, not too high, not too low. We're just going to stay in the middle. So sometimes it's hard to tell if he's really, truly thrilled. When, But when he was talking about this at the beginning of the year and hoping that this could get done, you could see the you know, that he truly, truly wanted this and that he felt that he still had something to give. Um, I don't think he would ever be one of those players who would who would hurt a team by staying on if he couldn't offer something. Uh, I know there's plenty of Chara haters out there, uh, but he is, you know, yes, he's a very big man, but once he gets going, you know, his stride far outreaches many. Um, and he teaches some of the other kids like Brandon Carlo, who's a big guy, how to do that. Um, and just how to play in, in this big league. So I was, I was kind of thrilled that they, they signed him. I mean, I know everybody wants Bergeron to be the captain, but maybe Bergeron doesn't want to be the captain. Maybe Bergeron's quite happy just having an A on his street, on his shirt. Um, some people don't do well with that added pressure. And, you know, he is such a strong role model regardless that I don't know that he needs a C on his shirt. 
And as, as I, I, I've said before, and you can agree or I see your opinion, regardless whether he weighs it, wears the A or the C, he's still a leader on the team. Like, I've played hockey my whole life. Besides, all he's really getting to do is talk to the refs. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, there, there's a leadership group. Char is wearing the C, and Bergeron, to me, seems like the guy with, who has the utmost respect and would never want to take the take the captaincy away from the guy. Oh, absolutely. He, you know, he he is a, in many ways, he's a very quiet man, Bergeron. Um but he, and I think because he has that quietness about him, when he does speak, everybody in the room listens. And when they see the things that he does, I mean, can you see any other player going to the extent of, you know, what Bergeron did with the punctured lung and everything? Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, that's ridiculous. And then he stays to talk to the media afterwards. Like, okay. The guy is like, you're, you want to slap him upside the head and say, dude, what are you thinking? Get to the yeah. hospital. Uh, he just has a moral compass about him that is is something that, that I think the young players gravitate to. Um, and I think is one of the best things that we have in that room. Yeah, definitely. He's a warrior. And, and the way he seamlessly came back after a 13-game absence... Uh, and, and he scores a goal, and then gets a goal the next night or the next game. Uh, it just, it just, you know, just proves that how much of a warrior he is and how much he cares. And you really don't need that letter on your chest to be a player like that and, and contribute. So, yeah, he's, he's very cerebral. Uh, I don't know. You guys probably have heard this story. I don't know if all the fans have, but when he was first getting into hockey as a little little tiny guy, uh, his parents drove him to the rink and he sat in the uh he sat in the goal net for like the first three games and did nothing he just sat there and watched and his parents thought maybe he hated the sport and so like on the, and they're like well you know if you, you don't have to play this we we can find something else and he's like no 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 i like it and he's he's that type of cerebral prayer who who watches and who takes things in so even though he was up you know you know with the with the broken foot and he was up on the ninth floor he was taking things in that he knew he could apply when he got back down right when i tried to go meet you Rhonda, and I, I walked by him by an accident i was like uh that's bergeron that's bergeron <laughs> like, i don't even know what to do i'm just like standing there i'm like okay don't stare at the man don't stare at the man mcavoy's beside him I'm like i don't even care that's bergeron oh my god yeah yeah struck and I'm, I'm very rarely i'm just like staring at him like oh god I have to say, as you know, I mean, I've been up there now on that floor for a few years, and I've seen a lot of players come up with, you know, various degrees of injury. He has been the hardest one to watch on crutches, only because Bergeron isn't ever hurt. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's just always in the game. So it was like such a you know, bizarre situation to see him going by on crutches. I'm like, no, this is so wrong. <laughs> um. Funny, funny stat, and I, I'm not sure how everybody gets into the whole numbers thing. I don't particularly get into it, but I, I'm, a, I'm a reader and I'm a follower of people that actually put the time in to put these numbers together. But, um, you know, the top line of, of Bergeron, uh, Pasternak, and Marshan, and by the way, Marshan, uh, second star of the, of the month of March with 10 goals, 16 assists, and 26 points in 15 games is just awesome for him um and uh black and gold hockey.com writer max manville just uh, wrote an article uh, i should definitely check that out um but the, the stat that i was looking at is if if that top line can reach 25 game 25 minutes per game especially with the playoffs coming up that is the hardest line to beat in hockey right now and it's just so good to see the chemistry that over the years that a person like Bergeron and Martian have gained. And now you're adding a young player like Pasenak and his talent. And you're setting up for a long time of, of having these three players at their best and at a league best. And is there anything that could break these guys down? I, you know, I don't see anything happening. 
um, there's such a such a strong producing line. Uh, you know, the management would be ridiculous to do to break that up. Um, you know, they've locked up Pasternak. Uh, Bergie's locked up for I don't know how many more years, um, and I think I, I think they all have long-term contracts. That yeah, I think they're twenty twenty-one. Yeah, easily. Yeah, with Pasternak a little longer than that because they just signed his. But um, you know, as long as they continue to do what they're doing, why would you change that? That would be ridiculous. Yeah, the only time they miss is either uh, one of them is suspended or the other one's injured. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if, if if they could just you know dial Marshy back just a tad, it would be, you know, I mean, and I I almost feel like he, in some ways he he reminds me of of a quote that Sean Thornton once said that when his wires touch, um, <laughs> that you know he he doesn't remember what happened, just his wires touched. Yeah, and I kind of feel like that's a Marshy. His wires touch, and he just like blacks out and does old Marshy stuff. You think he'll ever learn? I think, I you know, I think having interviewed him now over the years and been in the locker room with him, the maturity that he has gained is is truly impressive. I know that a lot of people don't see it out on the ice, uh, and I think they almost look for old Marshy, like they want him to be that. Oh, that especially the, the fans of the other team, like both, does, both. Doesn't... Like the the fans want him to be the rat because he stirs up the other team, and the. You know, the other team want him to be that rat because they want to be able to point to him and see and say, this is a goon. We should never have him out here, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but he has matured immensely. And I think that part of it is is a muscle memory thing where I'm almost convinced his wires touch and he doesn't realize he did it until afterwards. Um, and that, you know, he is trying to keep this stuff out of the out of his game. It just happens still sometimes. I mean, l- let's look at how, you know, how long he can go now. Whereas before, his his issues were, you know, happening much more frequently. But he's also now got that reputation. So he's going to get looked at harder than somebody who's never done that. Okay, Bacchus excluded. I don't know what that was about. But in general, he's going to get that call, even if it wasn't a true call yeah uh, he's gonna never get the benefit of the doubt i I don't i i i I love this team but people need to realize he will never get the benefit of the doubt now do you think that he would be in the heart conversation if it wasn't for the suspension this year absolutely uh you know he you know the skill he has is practically off the chart Mm -hmm. i mean Let's look at what he is able to accomplish almost on a nightly basis. He's an elite hockey player, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. And if he didn't do these things, and if he didn't have the reputation he has, absolutely he would be in the heart conversation. Uh, Rhonda, uh, Brandon Carlo's injury, we talked about this earlier. Uh, it, was, it was pretty gruesome to watch, and I'm, I, hate, I hate injuries like that, period. Um, but... What we talked about earlier was there's a lot of people expecting him to be back in the in the mid month of May or, or the beginning of May. If you were a GM or a coach, what what would you do in a situation like this? Would you take advantage of the off season and I mean, even though the Bruins are probably going to be in it for a long run, would you rush him back to get in the lineup that he's been a part of uh, of the success of this year? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, cause I, I'd say, I say, Brandon, let's, let's just wrap it up. I mean, that's a, that's a broken fibula. That's a pretty tough one to come back from, you know, let's get you ready for next season. I mean, a lot for me would determine his mental, uh, aspect. Um, because any, any injury of the body can be healed. It's, it's the mind healing that can be the harder. Um, and I mean, you know, everybody talked about McQuaid coming back and blocking a shot right after he'd broken, you know, his leg. And it's sort of like for him, his mind, that's how he works. I would need to know that Brandon could jump right back in at his, at his, at his best mentally. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I would sit him. 
Yeah, and also, like, wouldn't I, I would assume Cassidy would maybe factor in if the team's playing real well, like, and they're not giving up a lot of chances, and they're, I'm not saying walking through teams, but they're they're in the you know the third round here of the playoffs and they're playing well. Do you want to even mess with the chemistry? Well, uh, yeah, that's truly another thing to keep in mind because the chemistry in the playoffs is such a different thing. You don't want to mess with that. No, it's huge. And as I was saying, we were saying to Mark and I were talking before um, you came on, if McQuaid can play the way he did against Ottawa, it shouldn't even be a problem. Right. I mean, and you almost, you know, I know a lot of people feel like McQuaid shouldn't be on the team, but he brings certain things to the team. Uh, not on the score sheet, but just on the I've got your back. And the players feel safer when he's there. Uh, I know that uh, Bruce Cassidy loves McQuaid. Uh, he's, he's said it numerous times that, that he loves McQuaid and his style and what he brings to the team. So I think that in this situation, he's probably going to be glad that he doesn't have to make that choice you know um speaking of choice man you're you're really good at the segue stuff Rhonda. <laughs> please say you're gonna talk about the second line no oh that was a choice i was yeah. actually good i actually wanted to touch on the seventh player award i wanted to get her thoughts oh, on that a, fair enough um mcavoy an exceptional talent um oh. the one of the rising stars of the nhl in just his first year um, but I, me personally, I just, I hate this award. I know it's a fan award and it's a popularity contest, but mm-hmm. in my opinion, I would have chosen like a player like Hudobin, Nash, Riley, and, and Jake DeBrusque over, over, um, Charlie. And I know it might seem wrong to many, but I don't know. I just kind of. I, I feel when you get it to give it to the fans, it's just, you know, let's give it to the next big star that's going to be productive in the future, but never really thinking about the contributions that happened this season. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, sure. I, you know, and I, and it's sometimes not even that they're the next big star. It's sometimes they're just the cutest. Um, <laughs> it's true. It, yeah. I mean, come on. that. It has happened in the past. Um, I feel like for the players themselves, you know, it's a nice honor, but that's not why they do it. They, you know, they could care less if they're up there taking that. And I know that there's going to be fans who hate me for saying that. Um, but I feel that, I mean, McAvoy is a, is a viable choice. Uh, he's, he's been good since they, you know, put him on the ice. Um, I happen to pay closer attention, you know, like you guys do to some of the, the non scorers for what they do, but your average fan, it's all about, you know, the score sheet, the flashy play, the whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that automatically is going to eliminate some of the players like DeBrusque. Um, you know, Doby has been amazing this season. Uh, he, you know, he's truly gotten his groove back. And there are days, you know, there are games where it's almost like you're glad to see that he's in that. Whereas last year, that was not the case. Right. So he has, you know, he has improved immensely. Um, and, but I'm trying to think of the, the last goaltender who even got the seventh player award. I think it was Tucker Rask, wasn't it? Yeah. Was or it, Tim Thomas or Tim Thomas. I think Tom, it was Thomas. Thomas won it a couple times. Yeah, I think it might have been Timmy Thomas. Um, I bet, you know, and I mean, it was Timmy Thomas, and let's face it, without him, they wouldn't have done what they did in 2011. So, uh, but for most, it's about it's about the goals. It's why it's why you have the Chara haters, because he doesn't score goals. Well, that's not necessarily his job. Right. Job is to do other things. Shut down. Yeah, shut down things and be the great defensive player that he is. And so it's that's the part that kind of frustrates me about about fans. I'm I'm glad that they're passionate about the sport, 
but so many of them, it's all about the goals you know, and it, the fact you play. Rhonda, here's, here's something that I, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, and it kind of, it was mind-blowing, actually, but uh, Patrice Bergeron has never won the award. And and I know it's, it's kind of catered to the new shiny toy that Bruins fans have. You know, they want to get, like, the McAvoys, the, the Hamiltons, the, you know, the, the, the Pasternak's. Yes, it, and I understand that. But at no point in, in Patrice Bergeron's career has anybody ever given him a thought. But and I know he'll be a humble kind of player and be like, you know, it, it, is, it is catered to – I mean – he would probably say it, it's more deserving of somebody else, but it just blows my mind that fans have not voted him as, as a seventh player award winner. You know, I mean, Dries Bergeron hates it when the spotlight's on him. Yeah, he is. He's all about the team. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever interviewed him about any kind of award where he didn't say I wouldn't. I wouldn't be here without the team. Um, he just. He's team first. He's this is feels, awesome. And it, it's amazing. It really is. And that's why uh, he's going to have his number hung on uh, at TD Garden and probably a first ballot award, I mean, uh, Hall of Famer. Oh, if, no, he's definitely first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, if he's not, there's a problem. Yeah. yeah Lenny, Lenny McDonald up in Toronto is probably having a little too many of the uh, Molsons up there if he, well, if he doesn't. You've you got to remember, the, the Hockey Hall of Fame is not just what he did in the NHL. Right. It's on and off the ice. Yeah, well, no, it's also the Olympics, international play. So um, I believe himself, Corey Perry, and Scott Niederbeier are the only ones to uh, win everything. I believe of the current crop, yeah. Yeah, like they've yeah. won it all. And, you know, if if they keep this up, the you know, that group will never happen again because, you know, if the NHL continues to stay out of the Olympics. But, mm-hmm. and there was some talk in in Pyeongchang that that might be an issue come Beijing so well yeah do you I know we got off the Olympics but just ask that one question we both forgot to ask do you think the NHL will be in the Olympics because of the market now actually will be something that they can make money off of because it's the only reason they didn't go to Korea we all know it's about the money and you know I yeah I mean Oh, it's a tough one because what I was hearing, it didn't sound good. Uh, but we'll see in, I think it's September of 19, that a decision has to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is some something part of the CBA that affects the 2020. Uh, and it might even be 2018. I can't remember. I just know it's September. Uh, and it's part of the CBA. So, you know, obviously, you know, they've been making a push in China with sending teams over, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I take exception to them saying they want to expand the sport in Asia. If, if all you're going to is China, that doesn't quite encompass Asia, but all right. Um, but they do seem to want to grow the sport there and they have a lot of investors from there, so they probably will do it. Uh, but from what I was hearing, it was not sounding good. Yeah, the um, a couple of months ago, way before the Olympics even happened, um, there was a negotiation tactic that they were trying to do is like, well, if you, if the players union agrees to go to the, the Olympics, um, then we'll up our next CBA. I think it was three more years, mm. which, which would have worked out for China. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. that Olympic appearance, but and, and apparently things didn't work out. And now you're saying that they have like a September 19th uh, deadline date when they have it, to agree. Yeah. And where, yeah. Um, and like I said, I could be off on the year. Uh, that was towards the end of the, of my two weeks there. And, and I'd been on a lot of buses, so <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was a little tired. Yeah. Um, you've been quite the world traveler this yeah, year. Yeah. Just go to Vegas for the weekend. No big deal. <laughs> In my defense, I had that plan since the beginning of the season. Nice. Uh, uh, because I wanted to see a team in its inaugural season. 
And that's exactly what I wanted to talk about uh, to end the show. Actually, can we one more? Th- I just want go one ahead. Go, more ahead. I'll, go ahead. I'll. I'll, I'll one more, just because of how good we talked about Jacob Bruss. Rick Nash comes back. What happens? Ooh, it's a toughie. It's a toughie. I mean, I like DeBrusque. I like his style. I feel that he deserves a shot. But I mean, you did trade for Rick no. Nash, so. No. Is it DeBrusque or is it uh, Donato that plays on the third line? I don't oh. think you put Donato on the third line. No. Yeah, that's tough to break up that second line right now. Incorrectly, they pretty much said that Nash is going to be back now. So, um, you know, I just, I don't see you putting, well, let me think. Would, do you think Cassie would ask Rachel? Ask his opinion? Because... You know, he's always complained about his line mates. Well, Krejci has a very specific style of play, and he likes to call the shots. Mm-hmm. That's why he and Bacchus don't always get along on the ice. Um, and I, not like fist fights, but they just, they see the plays differently. And Krejci likes to control the play. Um, whereas, you know, and so does Bacchus. So when Bacchus has whoever listening to him, that turns into a really good line. Um so, you know, it's all in who is listening to Krejci, I think. Uh, so, your trip out of Vegas. Yes. Um, so, you got, you got the first experience of, of a, an expansion team and how it operates and, and to see how the fans react. Uh, was the place full? Was it full of energy? Was it everything that Vegas brings to a, a, a you know the knighthood and and so on that and more um you know it's t-mobile arena but inside it's the fortress um they have an a very elaborate opening montage that includes their night uh like basically fighting somebody like somebody who's got a flag from the other team it's quite the entertainment Nice. Uh, it was was it as entertaining as uh, the cable guy at Medieval Manor? When do you remember that movie? I do. Okay. I do. Was it that wow. entertaining? I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Wow. <laughs> oh, it's the movie with Jim Carrey, the cable guy. The cable oh, guy. okay, okay, yeah, yeah, the black comedy, the dark comedy. So. No, no, that's not no, it. Not, not a dark. That comedy. Is. No, that was it's that was cable guys. This guy was white. Jim Carrey's white. No, no, no. That's not what I mean. Dark comedy means it means it's like um. Um, that's why I changed it from black comedy to dark comedy. Oh, it's okay. Not, not that he's white. Not not nothing to do with race. It has everything to do. with <laughs> I thought you were talking about comedy. the Martin. Yeah, I don't see what he was I'm talking. now I'm on a t- Yeah, forget it. It's, the it, Martin it was, Lawrence. It was him being Gary. Anyways, um, it was very like the from the from the moment you get in there, it's it, it is just it is typical Vegas entertainment. It's it's huge. Um, I made I I. I think I tweeted at one point that the bass in there was so heavy that literally my camera was vibrating off the, my desk space. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so when I go back to TD Garden, I will never ever again complain about how loud the music is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, it's their uh, their um, their equivalence to Michaela, the the girl who goes around the the audience during the the breaks. Even they are, are um, like in your face, but in a good way. If you know what I mean, like they're just larger than life, and bring an energy that you can't help but just absorb. Um, and in fact, I can say larger than life because when I saw one of the guys later on, he was shorter than me, oh, and man. yeah, I never would have known that. Oh, wow. Nothing wrong with being vertically challenged. <laughs> I don't have a problem with people being vertically challenged, but he was so larger than life that that's why I think I noticed it so much because he had been so big uh, with his with how he interacted with everybody that I was surprised. Uh, but it was just it was it's amazing. I mean, the there were some seats that weren't filled, but it was mostly full. It was it was huge. Um, the they have 
Now, it is Vegas, so there's a lot of things you can do in Vegas that you can't do other places. Um, so, like, outside, before everybody goes in, they could be buying beers. You know, there's guys out there with their little trolleys selling their beers. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll enjoy uh, that. Yeah, I was going to say, you should have been out there. <laughs> um, and the so the way it's arranged, the, the, it, it's in this, like... Uh, so T-Mobile Arena, and then there's a bunch of restaurants before it that you kind of you walk through this thing. So you have to walk by all of them, and they were full of fans before and after. Uh, it's not like in Boston where you know pretty much everybody disappears. Like, and partly that's because it was this open air thing, and it's March, but it's not Boston March. Uh, so you know, it was really yes, that was cool. Yes, yes. Well, oh. <laughs> not as cold as Korea, but... Yeah, I'm Canadian. It was cold. Uh, but, like, when I, you know, I, I posted a picture of me, you know, having with my face in that big giant goalie thing. You know, those are things that you just don't see in other areas. Yeah. You know, in other, at other teams and, and in and around their things. Like, they cater to the fan. The idea is to for the fans to to truly buy into everything. In fact, they have done something with the playoffs now that they're in the playoffs that nobody thought they'd be in, um, that they have a kind of like an oath to their, uh, to their season ticket holders that they will get a discount on their playoff tickets. If they agree not to put them on StubHub. Oh, that's pretty cool. So it's like, they're thinking of all of these things and they're truly, interacting with their fans in ways that I haven't seen other teams do. Very smart idea. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to, and, and one more question just to end this on expansion. Now, Las Vegas isn't traditional hockey market. I mean, they did have the, the Wranglers there in the International League, and I believe it was the East Coast Hockey League at one time. They also but, had the Vipers way back in the day, didn't they? Yeah, but they didn't survive. Right. No, I know, but Curtis Joseph was their goalie at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, so, like... After the, you know, after the Wranglers closed up and then we were hearing that, oh, NHL's coming in. I'm like, well, the Wranglers couldn't even do it. Right. Um, so I, I'll be honest. I was a tad concerned about it. My, uh, my question, though, is, is with Seattle coming in and, and, and Washington State and Oregon area, they do have a hockey market with a WHL out there and some mad, mm-hmm. rabbit, passionate fans. Mm-hmm. Do you see that expansion being very similar to a non-traditional hockey market like Las Vegas? Um, no, because they are more traditional with their WHL. Vegas, because it's Vegas, can do things that nobody else can do um, because they are Vegas. Yep. And I feel like in this situation that I would see Seattle to be a more traditional expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not, you know, it's not to say it's bad. They'll have they'll have their fan base. Uh, but let's face it, when everybody said it was coming to Vegas, they were like, well, Arizona can't even fill their arena, etc. Okay, exactly. Uh, but Florida Panthers is cheaper to buy it off the scalpers than the box office. You know, exactly. Um, and so it's... You know, the reason that, that Boston plays the Panthers is so that the arena will get filled occasionally uh, with Bruins fans. Uh, so, but Seattle being a hockey area anyway, they will they will have the fan base, but it will not be the expansion team to the level that Las Vegas has, has managed to, to be. That makes sense. And I'm sure you'll be out there, so we'll have to have you on because you've been... <laughs> You know, I'm sure you got your tickets booked already, even though the season for the the totems, I believe, is not going to happen for another year or two, possibly. So, <laughs> have you have you booked it yet? I have not booked it yet. But... I'm, not, I'm I'm very surprised. <laughs> Give me time. Give yeah, me time. exactly, Rhonda. I just want to say thank you so much for having you on um, today, and also in the past, you've been a tremendous guest. Uh, please, people, uh, listeners, Bruins fans. If you see somebody in the locker room interviewing 
a player with the pink microphone. That is our friend, the lovely Rhonda McClure, and you can find her at Hockey Maven 1917 on Twitter. Uh, and she's the editor in chief and owner of the pinkpuck.com. Rhonda, it's been a pleasure. I hope to see you soon. Um, we definitely have to stop at the rail stop after uh, development camp and have a, okay. have a quick drink. Definitely, definitely. Awesome. Thanks again for having me on, guys. I always love yeah. it. Thanks for coming, Rhonda. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, everybody, for listening this week. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, please check out uh, our merch on uh, blackandgoldhockey.com. Also want to give a shout out to Grace, uh, that is Thomas Nystrom's uh, fiance, who did our new intro. So um, thank you, Grace, for that awesome intro and the updated uh, information that we have. And thank you, Thomas, for uh, putting it all together. Uh, it's class act to you, sir. He's a solid teammate. So uh, you can find us anywhere on uh, any the main... Um, podcast catchers if you will um we are everywhere iHeartRadio, radio google play apple podcast blah 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 so that's it for this week and and next week is going to be our our playoff preview so we will definitely know the the matchups and so on and we'll break everything down for you so uh, enjoy the week uh happy easter uh also one more shout out my dad's having surgery tomorrow so my thoughts and prayers are with him um, hopefully everything's going to be okay. I know it is going to be, but, um, he's always in my heart. So love you, dad. Uh, take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at black and gold two seven seven at court Lalonde and at Rob 40 Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at, blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.